Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. It's episode 104, and we'll be talking about Christmas at the Island Hotel by Jenny Colgan today. So I'm probably going to cut this out, but it was so funny that my pug like just snorted right before I started recording this. And this is already my third attempt at recording because I just keep failing today for some reason. So I didn't really want to start this one over again already. But anyways, things are going really great here. It was absolutely a magical weekend this past weekend and full of traditions that I've come to love. I've been having my bonus daughters come over to bake cookies one weekend before Christmas, kind of whatever works for them and when I have my son so they can see their brother. This year, unfortunately, my oldest is out of the country. She is still living her best life and I'm so happy for her, but I truly missed having her around this year to bake cookies. The youngest though, and her boyfriend came over to bake cookies. It's the second year her boyfriend has joined us and I'm so happy to have him join us. He's just truly a great young man and someone that I think is a good match for my girl. While they're young, I do like them together and I'm so glad he's willing to join our dinners and our traditions. My best friend gave us some aprons last year that we've added to our cookie making tradition, but that I also totally forgot this year. I was in the closet getting out my Christmas tablecloth and I saw them in there and I was like, dang it, I forgot those. (laughs) The aprons are handmade. So there's one for me, one for my oldest and then youngest girls. My best friend is also like family. So it feels like we're just adding more magic to our own traditions. I also made them listen to some Christmas music and the oldest told me not, you know, while we were baking cookies because she wasn't there, but she told me she still hates Last Christmas, sung by the Glee cast, because one year I played it basically on repeat when they were kids and it drove her absolutely nuts. But I played it a ton and she got sick of it. (laughs) Personally, I still love that song. And I played it again this weekend and I made a Christmas music list last night for Christmas and when my folks are here. So that is definitely on my Christmas playlist. We always have specific recipes that we make. And so we made our usual batches of cookies. We sent some home with my girl and her boyfriend for them to share with their families too. Though the way they were eating those cookies, I don't know if they made it all the way home, especially because my girl had a party to go to too. So maybe she shared. I'm not sure how that all worked out. I also made a big batch of puff pastry So they stayed for dinner and we were able to play a few games too. The boyfriend is not a bit as big a fan of games as my kids are, but he always plays. And I do love that about him. And honestly, he really brought his A game this time. And I'm like, he's been practicing. (laughs) So I'm glad that he enjoys it or at least pretends to enjoy it with us. Then my best friend whose grandma Uh, to the boy came to spend the night with us. I thanked her the other day for coming to visit us. And she replied with, of course, your family. But I felt like I needed to show that appreciation for her. Family isn't always as close as I want to be. I've got family all over the States and I'm not as close to them as I would like to be. 
and I don't talk to them as often as I want. Life is just busy and it's been crazy busy lately. So for her to take the time to come down and stay with us and spend time with us means something to me. And it's always important, in my opinion, to express your love and appreciation for people. I know even at work, I'm the person who shows appreciation to my supervisor more than anyone else on her team partially because I'm just that way, but also because I've been the boss and supervisor and I know it can be such a thankless and extra stressful job. So whatever your traditions are and whoever your family is, take some time again to tell them you love them and appreciate them. And I also keep forgetting to mention this shout out to both my mom and my good friend, Pete, who I've mentioned on the podcast before. I arrived home the other day and found two packages at my doorstep. And in celebration of my 100th episode, they both sent me copies of Kill Creek, my 100th episode book and one of the books that isn't in my top 10 favorite books of all time. So I just want to give a shout out to both my mom and to Pete Thank you both so much for your thoughtfulness. It meant so much to me and it still warms my heart. So thank you again. Getting into the booze this week for this cozy book set on an island between Scotland and Norway. And for the holiday spirit, I decided to pair this with a holiday classic, some good old fashioned homemade hot cocoa. It was my oldest girl who inspired me on this beverage for this week's episode. She's in Italy right now for school and spending time with her boyfriend and his family. And she's been sharing some of our traditions with them. And they got her hooked on homemade hot cocoa. I made some this weekend, not only for reading, but for also watching Christmas movies with the boy. Now, honestly, I love hot cocoa and the instant packets are pretty good in my opinion. But let me tell you, there's something special about taking the time to make your own. I've definitely linked the recipe that I used in the show notes. And the best thing about hot cocoa is you can really make it your own. You can add more chocolate to it. You can top it with whipped cream. You can add vanilla or a splash of Irish cream. This weekend, I was feeling like some toffee hot cocoa. So I got some English toffee syrup for the coffee and added it to my cocoa. We also made cookies this weekend, as I mentioned earlier, and there's something just wonderful and heartwarming about cookies and hot cocoa. My family's favorite is the Andes Candies cookie, which is also called mint chocolate cookies or mint cookies. We all love the flavor, and those are some of the ones that get eaten right away. But there's just something that's also magical about swirling the Andes mints on the top of the cookies that everyone enjoys doing. I really like doing it personally, but the kids really love it. So I let them do it, you know, as the mom, as the parent, you know, you're always the one that lets your kids have the fun and do all the hard work behind the scenes. So I've linked not only the recipe for the hot cocoa, but I've linked the recipe for the Andy's Candies cookies as well. We made Andy's Candies cookies, sugar cookies, Oreo balls, which is funny because I really don't care for Oreos by themselves, but Oreo balls are so freaking good. So you know what? I'm going to share that recipe too, because I, we love the Oreo balls and you can find it online, but just to make things either easier, I've linked that recipe in show notes for everyone. Getting into the author this week, 
Jenny Colgan is a much more well-known author than I realized, but even though I'm a huge reader, we've already established that I'm behind the trends on virtually everything, including books. She's got this beautiful website and it's so cool because she's got recipes that she's featured in a bunch of her books. And I thought about pairing the book with the festive Christmas punch recipe that Colgan features on her website, but it has Jägermeister and I don't really like Jägermeister. And this is just one of those recipes that's like all or nothing. Like you couldn't just make it without the Jägermeister. And you've got to drink it. And I didn't want to buy all the ingredients and then decided that I didn't like it. Since my folks aren't big drinkers, I knew I couldn't pawn any off on them when they come for Christmas either. So since I don't like the Jägermeister, I just decided to use my hot cocoa. I did also link the recipe in the show notes too. So if you're looking for a unique holiday punch to try, this is one that might just be for you. It just wasn't for me. So lots of recipes linked in the show notes this year or this episode. I looked at her other recipes too, but nothing really hit me to make and share for this time of year. She's got a bunch of other books and next year I might be reading the Christmas bookshop. So the bio from her website is, quote, Jenny Colgan was born in Scotland and has lived in London, the Netherlands, the U.S., and France. She eventually settled down in the wettest of all these places and currently lives just north of Edinburgh with her husband, Andrew, her dog, Neville Shute, and her three children, Wallace, who is 11 and likes pretending to be 19 and not knowing what this embarrassing family thing that keeps following him is all about. (laughs) Michael Francis, who is nine and likes making new friends on airplanes and Delphine, who is seven and mostly raccoon as far as we can tell so far. (laughs) Things Jenny likes include cakes, far too much Dr. Who, wearing Converse trainers every day. So her feet are now just gigantic, big flat pans, baths only slightly cooler than the surface of the sun and very, very long books. The longer, the better. And listen, this is so crazy, by the way, this is me interjecting into her bio, but in my media recommendations this week is Dr. Who, and I was planning on recommending it for this episode. And it's just a crazy coincidence that Colgan is a fan. Anyways, I just love her bio. This is one of those bios where it really feels like, you know, a little bit more about the person and maybe her kids ages might be a little different now. I'm not sure exactly how up to date it is, but I love that she talks about her kids and um, that just makes it so much more relatable. This is from Wiki, Wikipedia. So quote, she has written for the Doctor Who line of stories. She writes under her own name and using the pseudonyms Jane Beaton and JT Colgan. In July 2012, her Doctor Who tie-in novel, Dark Horizons, was published under the name J.T. Colgan. So cool, fun facts there. But let's get right into the book now. So I picked up this book for free up at the bar up north. (laughs) Someone's been bringing books in, so I always check them out before we leave. And this one definitely looked interesting to me. A Holiday on a Scottish Island sounds like perfect escapism to me. And I've been working so much and pretty stressed out. I was so excited for this. I was also looking at Christmas book lists and good Christmas books to read, which is where I found Mr. Dickinson's Carol that I was looking up these lists. 
So I was hoping it was going to be a good book too, especially because it was on so many lists, different lists, and because I've reviewed two books in a row now that I didn't really care for. I was so excited to snuggle up with the dogs and read, and let me tell you, it was everything I wanted it to be. I really enjoyed this book, and I could not put it down. I did start it a couple times and just didn't get to it, but I started it over again, and I read it all in one day. After I planned on reading it, I found a review that said this is the fourth book in the Mirror Island series, and someone mentioned it was a good idea to read the others first, but let me be the first to tell you that I did enjoy this immensely without reading the other books in the collection. Now, would I have enjoyed it more if I had all the backstories of the characters I was reading about? Quite possibly, but it really didn't take that much away from my pleasure. So there is still time if you want to pick this one up before Christmas to enjoy it without reading all the other books. I do want to read the other books now, though, as well, and I really enjoyed Colgan as an author, so I'm looking forward to reading more of her books. Christmas at the Island Hotel is the story of the inhabitants of a small Scottish island, the small Scottish island of Muir, and how they are preparing for the holiday. We're absolutely in the middle of the stories with Finton, who's lost his husband, Iona and Isla, who are best friends, Flora, who's struggling with motherhood, and Safe, whose wife has disappeared. I was immediately drawn into the stories of each of the characters, and they all had stories that tugged on the heartstrings, and they remind us that everyone is going through something. Even if you don't know what it's about, or maybe you can't understand it, we each have our own battles that we're facing. It's such an ensemble cast, though I was especially drawn in by Finton's heartbreak and how he was trying to move forward from the loss of his husband. Colton. He can be a bit of a jerk sometimes, I'm not going to lie, but I imagine the guilt that he felt and the grief that he was dealing with probably contributed to that, him being a jerk. There are so many ways that this is an absolutely predictable story. It's not predictable in a bad way, though. At least it wasn't in my opinion. It's very much a cozy read. Things play out the way that you want them to, the way that they should. It's a bit like those sappy Hallmark Christmas movies that I've been enjoying, but I think Colgan's writing is really enjoyable. It's like a notch higher than a Hallmark movies. <laughs> but if you don't like predictable romances, then this one might not be for you. There is one romance that really surprised me, and I totally didn't see it coming, but I loved the addition of it. And even though it seems out of left field, it is a fun one, and I thought it was a great addition to the story. A lot of times, cheesy romances have ridiculous miscommunication between partners that cause them to break up or dislike each other or get in a fight, and this book didn't really have that. There is this one obvious plot device, but it's resolved quickly and Colgan didn't waste too much time keeping the lovers apart. They actually end up talking like normal people and resolving the secrets between them. It's much more realistic than so many romance type novels. Flora is struggling with parenthood and the doubts she has of herself and her emotions. She's realizing that motherhood isn't just this perfect Instagram post, though ironically, that's exactly what she wants for her bakery and the hotel, is beautiful imagery on Instagram to drive business. So I think it's Iona that she asks to take all these Instagram pictures, and of course, hilarity ensues. But Fiona's struggle is relatable and makes her such a well-rounded character. 
Her partner, Joel, on the other hand, is reveling in fatherhood. For him, it's better than expected, and it's nice to see some representations of good fathers in fiction. There is one moment where Joel is observing the world around him. Quote, Joel hadn't noticed it last year. This year, of course, everything was completely different. And Joel has had his perspective changed because he's a father now. And it's such a good reminder how important it is to change your perspective if life doesn't change it for you. My best friend and I have the saying that if you change in your environment, you change your life. And perspective is part of that. There are so many characters on the island who need a change of perspective. Most of them get what they need when they realize that they have amazing lives and they are so very fortunate, which this holiday season is always a great time to recognize that and be thankful for the abundance that so many of us have, as well as help those who are less fortunate. There are so many great small moments to enjoy. I love Iona's personality. I love how the new chef from France, Gaspard, refuses to make turkey for traditional Christmas dinner because he believes that turkeys are unhappy birds. And when people eat an unhappy bird, that's why they fight at Christmas. He thinks that they should eat goose because geese are happy bullies and that way everyone will be happy. He recognizes that they're bullies, but he also says they're happy. And so that's why he wants to serve goose instead of turkey for Christmas. I love how absolutely incompetent that Constantine is and yet he pushes forward. It's reminded, um, reminding, reminded, <laughs> reminiscent <laughs> a bit for me of the Island of Misfit Toys in the claymation Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Everyone is feeling a little lost. They need to find their place and where they are loved and valued. The writing too is just so atmospheric. Colgan paints such a beautiful picture of what this island of 1500 residents is like. The weather plays a nice role in the story as well. It's cold and blustery. They have rain for several days, which was exactly like the day that I read this book. I was nice and cuddled up and cozy with my hot cocoa and a blanket and the dogs and was just reading as it rained outside. I was definitely hoping for snow for Christmas but it looks like it'll just be rain, unfortunately. But the rain did fit in with the atmosphere of the book. I could see myself there with everyone at the hotel and working alongside of them. I also really enjoyed the inclusion of the Looney Duke, which I thought I knew what it was, but had to look it up to make sure. It's like what we have in the Midwest. And and then when I looked it up to not just the Midwest, but the polar bear plunge more often shortened, at least around me to the polar plunge. It's on New Year's Day where people jump in a cold lake for charity. It's nothing, honestly, that I've ever done. I'm not super interested in being freezing cold, even if it is, you know, a nice shock to the system. The boy was kind of curious and asking me some questions about it. So we're going to be up north this year for the um, new year. We might check it out. But anyways, the Looney Duke, according to Wikipedia, Quote, the event was conceived in 1986 as a joking suggestion by three locals for a New Year's Day hangover cure. The following year, it was decided to repeat the event for charity. The Polar Plunge, according to Wikipedia, has been around since the early 1900s, with Milwaukee's Bradford Beach beginning in 1916 and Boston in 1904. So I don't know if the Looney Duke was actually conceived in like 1986, because that's pretty recent compared to the Polar Plunge. And I'm willing to bet that 
it was probably before then anyways. Again, it's just so funny. And I love how this podcast has encouraged me to research things a little more. Had I just been reading the book, I probably would have confirmed my guess that the Looney Duke was similar to the Polar Plunge, but never researched like this history. And I never would have known that it's been around since at the very least than like 1904, possibly even earlier than that. I guess I didn't research it that far, but just kind of cool. This was a fun novel. And for a romance, I felt like the writing was above average. Sometimes I like a romance novel just as an escape, but this one far exceeded my expectations. I truly enjoyed it and I give it a four out of five. Goodreads gives it a 3.75 and I was surprised at that because I felt it was like a really good enjoyable book and I thought the rating was going to be higher. So let's get into some of the reviews. One reviewer said, another fun mirror story, yes, but what is going on with the many unacceptable inconsistencies? By book four, you have a well-established group of readers who are attached to your characters. And this reviewer noted several inconsistencies that I agree are big ones. And if I was a fan, I would be irritated. So I can understand why someone following the collection would not enjoy this as much as I did, who had not been invested in the characters until now. Though, knowing the inconsistencies, I'll remember that when I read the other books. And being prepared for them will hopefully help me not be as annoyed with them. Another reviewer said... Quote, I will be honest, I was prepared to dislike this book. It sounded incredibly saccharine. I ended up being incredibly charmed by this book. I get very Stars Hollow vibes from the setting. And while I was charmed as well, I didn't get the Stars Hollow vibes, even though this reviewer mentioned it. And for those who don't know who Stars Hollow is, it's the town, a fictional town in the TV show Gilmore Girls, which is like the idyllic town in, you know, that everybody imagined, you know, so perfect and neighbors work together. Anyways, I it didn't quite give me Stars Hollow vibes, but it was still enjoyable. Another side, not realizing this was book four in a series. Yep. It took me a bit to sort out who was who and their backstory. This is just a warm, friendly series set in make-believe town Mirror in Scotland. The characters have depth and the setting made it an entertaining read. Other reviews also noted the lack of continuity and the name errors, and I understand the frustration with that, especially if it's a beloved series. I hope the publisher updated later prints and digital versions to fix their errors. I have a copy that contained all the errors that are noted in many of the reviews. So I can definitely understand why maybe this didn't quite get as high of a rating as I think it should have or I expected to see. Anyways, it's not too bad. And these are things that should be fixed for such a loved collection and something that would bother me as a reader as well. Media recommendations this week. Doctor Who on Max, and I know I'm so way behind on this one, but I had someone tell me I needed to watch it. So I'm starting with the 2005 reboot, and I have to admit, it's a pretty brilliant show. I'm only on the first season of the reboot, and I know there are so many different doctors, but I like Christopher Eccleston. I'm excited to continue this journey and learn more about the TARDIS and experience the other doctors. If you, like me, have been sleeping on this one, I'm here to tell you to check it out. Wake up and go watch this one. Happiness for Beginners. This was on Netflix. I was going to wait to try to read the book, but I've got so many books on my TBR list that I decided not to. Fans of Ellie Kemper from The Office and The Unbreakable Commission will enjoy this one. 
it's a, another one of those lighthearted comedy romances that I've been enjoying. And while not really holiday themed, it's still a great one for the season where friends, family, and love are so important. Sorry, I definitely get sappy around this time of year. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at don't read drunk, email me at don't read drunk at gmail.com or check out my website. Don't read drunk. Oh yeah. Don't read drunk. There is no apostrophe in any of those. This is a hobby podcast. So you can do a one-time donation through PayPal using my email. Don't read drunk at gmail.com. Or you can also support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don't read drunk. Thank you to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sunup, who created the music. You can find One Up Till Sunup on Air and Aaron on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website, avenue-coffeehouse.com. Also, Karen Rothley Fine Arts. You can find Karen on hopefully Etsy. Hopefully, she's got that up and running and Facebook. Next episode. Everyone in my family has killed someone by Benjamin Stevenson. Bye and talk to you soon.